Hey guys, just a quick reminder that my new workshop, Revenue on Repeat, is happening on May 28th, 2020, and I am going to be teaching my complete system for creating and launching a portrait membership to stabilize your photography income. If you purchase before May 28th, not only will you be able to attend live and ask questions in real time, you'll also get special access to early bird pricing. So if you haven't done so yet, I want you to head over to thiscan'tbethathard.com slash club for all the details. Leslie Kershaw is a documentary family photographer in Washington, D.C., and I first met Leslie through the family narrative. She was one of our teachers at the very first conference we ever had back in 2017. And over the course of the three years that I have known her, I have always been so impressed by Leslie, not just by her work, which is incredible, but by what has always struck me as an incredibly strong internal compass. As creatives and entrepreneurs, I think most of us struggle to stay focused. We struggle to prioritize. We have a hard time saying no, but Leslie seems to really excel at those things in her life. She balances the demands of a successful photography business, a full-time job working for a pharmacy association, and life as a wife and a mother of three, all with incredible grace. My original intent when I asked Leslie to be on the show was to dig deep into how she manages all of that, but our conversation ended up being far more wide-ranging. In today's episode, in addition to talking about boundaries, Leslie and I chat about adjusting to the new reality of coronavirus and its effects on our ability to manage our time and our productivity. We talk about mindfulness. She talks about her introduction to commercial and stock photography and so much more. She is such an inspiration. And with so much to cover, I am going to stop there so we can jump right in. But I know you're going to really enjoy today's conversation with Leslie Kershaw. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it, and I can show you how. Hey, Leslie. Hi, Otomi. How are Hi. you? I'm good. I am so excited to have you here. It has been far too long. Of course, our listeners can't see this, but we're having this as a video call on Zoom. So yes, um, with our I, long hair. With our <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh. Right before we started recording, we were um, lamenting the fact that the hairdressers are not available for those of us <laughs> with short hair. It just seems unfair. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, uh, before I launch into chatting all things with you, which I'm super excited about, I would love for you to take a minute and just introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about your background and where you live and who you are. Great. So let me just start by saying I was dreading this part because introductions are the worst thing ever right now. I'm like, who am I? What do I do? I'm in like having an identity crisis. Anyway, hi, I'm Leslie. I'm a family photographer. I am based in Washington, D.C. And, you know, right now as a photographer, you know, I'm, you know, I'm having a little bit of an identity crisis, but I, I guess you can call it an evolution 
because I'm trying to, you know, um, dip my toe into commercial photography and stock photography and business and brand photography. And um, that's been fun. Um, I'm primarily a part-time photographer and I work full-time at an association in BC. Very cool. Yeah. And you've been with them for a long while now, right? Yes. Yeah, so five years, and this is the longest time, <clears throat> excuse me, I've ever been at a job. So that's been interesting. Yeah. I've had the itch several times to like leave and go somewhere else. But um, my job has a really good work-life balance. I work two days from home now, which is, you know, extremely helpful, you know, living in the city, having kids and, you know, trucking them back and forth and, you know, just trying to do all the things metro. So it's just easy to not have to get up and commute, you know, a couple times a week, which is helpful, even though right now I'm primarily from home all the time. So that's great. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, Yeah, I know you said you periodically have that itch to go somewhere else, you know, to, to change. And I feel like that's sort of the other side of the creative coin, right? Like, I feel like we have, I talk to people who are um, in other lines of work where they stay, they do the same thing for a long, long time. And I just have no concept of what that would be like. I am way too easily excited by new things. (laughs) I know it can be extremely um, mundane and frustrating sometimes to just kind of do the same thing over and over again. Luckily I am, I, you know, recently did change roles and um, you know, Uh, that's exciting. And then I'm also, you know, a person at work who's always like, Hmm, you know, I'm getting a little bored. Can I do that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just uh, volunteering myself for random things, which sometimes is a good thing. And sometimes is not the best. (laughs) Your plate is full. (laughs) And then people just expect that you do that from, you know, Sure. Like I'm just going to ask you do that. Exactly. So (laughs) don't do that. Save all your creativity for your time and your, uh, your camera time. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think it's so one of the reasons that I first thought of you to, to bring on here is that I was thinking about um, boundaries. And so we have now known each other since 2017. Oh my goodness. I think yeah, it was. I think so. 17 or 2018. I can't keep track. <laughs> Me neither. But so we met through the family narrative and um and I remember I think that was the first teaching job that you had done taken. Yes. Right? Oh my goodness. And that um I know we got my teaching cherry, even though I don't really teach that much, but <laughs> I know, but you I mean it was so funny. Um to you were um I just remember in that first phone call that we had you being like I'm so honored and I'm so and we were like no no it is we who are honored um but then I think it was news to all of us that you had another job and um and we were all like why in the world is she doing anything else she's so great she could absolutely you know make a living for with just photography and over the course of getting to know you and sort of hearing your rationale about that, and then the fact that that has continued for all of these years, I mean, it, it just, um, one of the things that I really love about you is your uh, obvious internal compass. It's like, I think it can be really easy to let other people tell you this is how you should 
pursue your career or design your life. And I feel like you have one of the stronger internal compasses out there. And I would love to hear how you feel about that. Cause <laughs> sometimes when other people tell me how they see me, I'm like, Oh, I, don't I know. <laughs> I almost just want to cry. I'm like, Oh, Aww. you're so sweet. Um, I do think that is true. And I think that um, even in, you know, my photography, I've kind of based a, a I guess a core value for individuality, you know what I mean? Within, you know, my work within, you know, like how I want to photograph families. And I think it is definitely a core value, you know, to me. And I think that I, you know, it's important to me to feel like, you know, like I am, our kids have a, a, a affirmation that is I'm the master of my fate, but yeah, like I, it's important for me to feel that way because if yeah. not, then I don't feel like myself. I don't feel grounded and um, I feel out of control. So, yeah. Well, you know, it's an interesting time right now <laughs> for those of <laughs> us who sometimes feel in control to, uh, mm-hmm. to feel to have it to be reminded that we can be in control of certain things, but not all the things all the time. Um, how are how are you feeling in in this current space and with the COVID, you know, changes and curveballs that we've all been kind of thrown? Oh my goodness! I think we talked about this before. Like it's just every day is something different. Like the other day, I was crying. <laughs> yep. Today, I had to like put my head on my desk. And then another day I'm like, yes, I rock at this. It's amazing. And I love being at home with my family. And, you know, like, it's so fun to get to slow down. Yeah. Um, You know, one of the things about living in a city is that it's so fast. Like, I don't even think I realize how, you know, fast things are moving and how fast things are going and all of the things that I have to do on a, you know, a daily basis until I might, you know, talk to someone else. And they're like, oh, it took me like five minutes to get to the store. And I'm like, oh my gosh, every time I have to go to the store, it's like an experience. You know, there's a long line. I have to find parking, you know, like it's even picking up my kids from school. Like there is no, you know someone dropping them off at school, you know, outside, like we have to go pick them up and we have to battle through like parking and waiting for someone to like leave a spot so we can jump in and feel like, you know, like we're getting there on time. So um, it's been, I've enjoyed the slowness um, and the slowdown for sure. But, you know, the consistent pieces of like, okay, do I work on my business now? Um, which the answer for the most part has been no. Yeah. Um, because I have actual work to do. I work <clears throat> at an association for pharmacists and they're on the front line. And so right. you know, my work is ha- actually, you know, ticked up and I recently got a promotion. And so like, I need to kind of try to focus on that for, for right now and figure out like, okay, how am I going to do the best at my, at my new job in this, you know, in this situation, in this ever-changing circumstance and situation. So Absolutely. Yeah. I know it's a lot to manage. I feel like working from home all the time is what I mm-hmm. do. But um, yeah, you really, and I'm not, I, I have the best of intentions. I have a strategy for managing my time. I am, uh, and I, I get a lot done, but I don't always do it in the way that I intend to do it. Like I'll map mm-hmm. out my day and then, you know, get sidetracked. I wish I could say that I was really good at that. Um, but I am not good at it either, despite being like a productivity geek and always yeah. like trying out, you know, the newest things and time blocking and oh, I'm going to do a bullet journal and I'm going to plan on my day and I'm going to, 
you know, try this technique. Um, So, you know, again, going back to, you know, like what works for you, you just have to be able to do what works for you. And maybe every day looks different, but you do the same types of things. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Or you you plan out which things you're going to work on. So yeah, it has definitely been a struggle with uh, the kids at home because, you know, the next curveball is like distance learning and, oh, I need help and my computer isn't working and what do I do now? And I'm like, you should know what to do. Yeah, I'm hungry. A month. (laughs) Or can I have another snack? Yeah. All of the noise, I think, is, you know, something. I took a um, mindfulness-like course um, a year and a half ago. and I can't remember what one of the assignments was, but it was just like, we were trying to figure out what things trigger us. And I found out during that course that one of the things that triggers me is noise. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, like my, you know, it, it's, it can be one of those things that can take me from zero to like a hundred, you know, like yeah. just like a, a scream while I'm like really in the zone trying to work on something. And then I just will pop off and I'm like, yeah. Oh no, who is that? <laughs> Hello, who are you? Oh, yes. Like even those types of tactics, like, okay, you know, let's keep your headphones in while you're working on this particular task so that you don't have a noise trigger and you turn into mom monster. Yeah. You know, even, you know, my coworkers, like maybe, you know, there was something in the background and then I sent, you know, really nasty Kurt reply because I was triggered (laughs) by the noise. That's interesting. I would have to, I'd have to do some thinking. I definitely think that noise is one of them. I also get very, um, when I, when things around me are messy, I get mm-hmm. very yes. about it. And I'm not by any stretch, like a crazy neat freak, but when things mm-hmm. get, you know, really out of control and there's piles of stuff and whatever, I am, um, I have been known to like death march around and, you know, I'm yeah. yelling at people the whole time. Why is this pile here? Same. So Same because, you know, productivity is tied to your space and yeah. having a clear space and a clear mind. Like you need, it doesn't have to be, you know, a container store organized, but it needs to be clear. And can I walk without like stepping on things yeah. and sit down without there being like clothes all over the place? Yeah. <laughs> I know it is, uh, it is, it, but it's good. I, I think knowing those things about yourself and then being able to check yourself in the moment or, you know, plan to uh, p- head it off at the pass. Like I can set aside 15 minutes to straighten up at the beginning of the day mm-hmm. so that halfway through my day, it doesn't get derailed. Yes. Um, so yeah. Um, speaking of space, actually one of my points on here, this is I'm jumping topics a little bit, but <laughs> I um, recently redid both my photography website and my website for This Can't Be That Hard, and both of those are hosted on Squarespace. And when I was perusing their templates, whose sweet face did I happen to see? But yours. <laughs> so nice boys. <laughs> I know. I know. Maybe no. You're. I think you're in there too, right? I mean, yeah, I, mean I think I, so. I know what your family looks like. So <laughs> plus, I know your photos, but. Um, but yeah, that's so cool that you have this, you know, like you connected with Squarespace. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So they reached out, I think it's been almost two years ago and they were saying that they were creating this new template and they needed photos. They said that it's kind of like a, uh, Ken is the template and it was a year, a yearly countdown. Like they wanted 
people to be able to use it to kind of like count down their years. And they're like, we would love to, you know, partner with you and, you know, create a, a countdown, you know, with your images in it. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. That so, so cool. that's fun. Yeah. It was a and fun so project to work on. <clears throat> do you do any updating with that? Or was that just done like one and done kind of a thing? Hang on, guys. I have a quick message for you. Did you know that This Can't Be That Hard isn't the only podcast I host? Each month, my marketing director, Dana, and I team up to bring you a fresh injection of marketing ideas and inspiration on our other podcast called The Consistency Club. The podcast is free and available to any photographer looking to uplevel their marketing game, or you can take it one step further and join The Consistency Club, where you get the extended version of the podcast along with monthly email and social media templates, bonus trainings, and special access to the live marketing events we host twice a year. If you're interested in tuning in, you can search for and subscribe to The Consistency Club wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to join us in the membership, you can visit go.thiscantbethathard.com slash club to sign up. It was a one and done thing. They paid me for it. And then they also gave me, I think, two years free hosting, nice. which got to be very, I got very used to when I almost reached back out and was like, Hey, <laughs> can, we, can we make we this? Photos. <laughs> can we make this a forever thing? Because that $250 I just spent, I'm happy about that. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I know. It's hard to go back once you get something for free. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, but well, that's awesome. And so, so they contacted you directly, but I know that you also do some other commercial stock type work. Um, tell me, like, was, were you already doing that before they reached out to you or did that sort of open that door in your mind? I was, in fact, I had a couple of, I, I have a, I am a Adobe stock premium contributor and I had a loaded a couple of photos there. And actually it was kind of like a, um, a topic of reference because there were photos that I wanted to use on that Squarespace um, template that I work with them that were already on, you know, Adobe. And we kind of did some back and forth to see, oh. if, you know, those would be fine um, to put up there. And um, nothing that I saw said that there was anything wrong with that. So I went oh. for it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I know these big companies, it's always a little um, intimidating. I have never done any photography work um, in the commercial space. I've never done any stock stuff. Um, and I find all the legal pieces of that and the big, big companies versus the individual artist kind of thing. I find it intimidating. Um, I just feel like I don't know. I, I well, how's your, yeah. Tell me about your experience with that. So, okay. This, uh, conversation that we have it, are having goes like straight into like a call that I had earlier this week. <clears throat> I am a, like, um, a part of a cohort right now through DC government. It's called, um, 202 creates. And it's basically, a an initiative that the mayor of DC created to basically highlight creative entrepreneurs. And I'm not sure if um, I could be misspeaking about that, but that is what the program is, you know, is um, set up to do. And so you do kind of like this residency and um, it's a 12 week residency. And this um, I'm on my, 
seventh week, I think. And so I just did office hours with um, the director. And so we talked a lot about like, you know, how to, how, sh- how I should be structuring, you know, my business, you know, like moving forward. And she, she really, you know, she said, I think you should be doing more B2B work. You know, she said, you know, I think that, um, that is the, you know, the space that's going to like, you know, get you the most return on your investment. And we had just had a call about like contracting with the DC government. Like that was the topic and, you know, being a part of their oh, database. Government contractor. Look exactly. At you. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I have not done it yet, but I'm you kidding. know, the call, <laughs> the call was from, you know, he was the, I don't know. He worked at the uh, DC office of contracts and grants. And he was talking about how you get your name into this database so that you could do business with the district. And she yeah. was saying like, this is, you know, where I, you know, see you making the most, you know, like return um, and making the most, you know, money so that you don't have to do a lot of the, you know, kind of small projects that you want to do. We talked a little bit about the stock account too, because, you know, I was thinking about, oh, you know how we are <laughs> as creatives. We don't want to just use a, a company to do the work for us. It doesn't make sense. Like we're like, oh, but I want to create my own stock company. Yeah. <laughs> I want to create my own subscription account. She's like, sounds like you got a good thing going with Adobe. I wouldn't like, and I was like, yeah. no, I don't want to do that. That's like a, you know, uh, you know, far out, you know, three to five year goal. And she's like, don't um, uh, miss, um, don't uh, like misrepresent like what you can do, you know, in the B to C and the B to B, you know, with these B to B companies. So, yeah, um, I think it's definitely something that, you know, photographers can possibly take advantage of. And, you know, you know, as she mentioned, you know, the government isn't losing any money right now in this downturn. Yeah. They're fully funded and they yeah. have money to be able to pay you. Right. Well, and you work, you know, you're in pharmacy in your day job and mm-hmm. you, I'm sure, have a network of people through that. And I, I absolutely agree. I also think um, I was having a conversation recently about with somebody about um, the fact that as restrictions get lifted and people are able to get back to more normal levels of work and things like that. Um the companies that need photography done oftentimes will bring people to them. They'll fly, you know, or let's say that there's a company who is based in New York mm-hmm. and they need photos of something. They might fly their photographer to go get photos of that thing. But my hunch and the conversation that I was having is about the fact that that's probably going all kinds of different non-necessary travel is being highlighted right now. And I'm guessing that being in a big city as you are um, and being able to potentially be in the right place at the right time to take on some of that work could, you know, could work to your advantage. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, you know, I think you're right, you know, like, you know, companies before, like, you know, they wouldn't even, you know, sniff at sending, you know, someone, a whole team of people, you know, to an area, but they might be looking more and more for, you know, local photographers, especially in those places like Atlanta and California and New York, DC, we are still working on our creativity. (laughs) There's not a lot going on here, but um, every once in a while, you know what I mean? We'll, we'll get like a couple of projects. Um, come through the city. <clears throat> sure. Cool. Tell me a little bit about your 
I, I call them silos in my business. Like I have my <laughs> photography business and then I have the family narrative and I have this mm-hmm. that hard and, um, and I devote certain proportions of my time. Tell me a little bit about within photography, how you kind of allocate your efforts or, you know, how you like to break down the amount of work that you're doing for family photos for other people and your own projects and then stock or whatever else you're working on these days. Absolutely. So I would still say that about 50% of my time is spent on, you know, client work, which can be, which can range from family photography to, you know, um, a little bit of, you know, storytelling, you know, business photography with headshots and, you know, some mini sessions and um, also a few, you know, just random projects where I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds, that sounds in line with something that I want to do. And then um, 25% of it might go to, you know, working on, you know, stock shoots and that's new, you know, like allocating that time. And then I spend the other 25% on ad hoc projects, like me putting, you know, me working with this uh, cohort, I feel like that's a project because Mm -hmm. I have a lot of work to do and I need to allocate time. You know, there's assignments and, um, you know, just like that way, you know, for me to continue to get better because I'm not in um, a photography community all the time and I'm not, you know, around photographers, you know, 24 seven, like how a lot of photographers get to get together. So that's like my time to like, okay, which project do I want to invest on to make me, you know, a better business owner or, you know, figure out what, it, what are going to be the next steps, you know, for the business. Yeah. Cool. Um, with that, you said it's called 202 Creates. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you applied for and got into? Do you, is it like a pay for a spot kind of a thing? How does that it was something that I applied to and it's a free program, you know, offered by the government. And it's funny because last year I applied and it's kind of one of the, it was kind of one of those ambiguous programs. Like they were just kind of like, Oh, you know, join this program. And then, you know, you'll <clears throat> come every week for office hours and kind of, it's kind of like my shot at trying to build like a little bit more of a community within the, you know, creative and artist community yeah. in DC. And I didn't get in last year, but it was still, you know, it was like a little bit ambiguous as to what, you know, they did. Mm -hmm. And so um, thankfully, like this year, they got a new director at that agency and she, uh, you know, overhauled the program a bit and was like, you know, if this is going to be, you know, like a residency program, you know, she conducted interviews and there was a second round and then there was like, you know, a Google form, like, what are you going to work on? Like, what are you going to complete by the end of this? And um, I'm, all, I'm actually very excited that I got into it this year and not last year because the program has been very structured. Um, you know, I've, you know, gotten, you know, a wealth of information just about like how to work, you know, within DC government, have learned some things about, you know, like uh, accounting that I didn't know. And um, what's the other thing I was going to say? And I think the accountability piece, like this oh, is, yeah. what are you going to do by the yeah. end of this? Like, which project do you want to work on? And you have this amount of time for the most part to complete it, or at least have a plan, you know, for it, for it to get done. One of the things about being a part-time business owner is you can easily just say, oh, I'll put that to the side. And then, you know, because you've 
don't necessarily need to do a new project, you know, like you might want to, you might have goals and then you're like, but you know, I got this job and it'll be fine. You know? Um, so I was really looking for like more accountability. Um, and to go back to it, yeah, they hosted, um, you know, all these interviews and she was really, um, you know, precise about how she did the applicant process. And it made me take the process almost like I was applying for a job. Like yeah. you know, I made sure to send thank you notes after every meeting and message and, um, you know, in, in interaction. And I think that that probably was one of the reasons why I might've gotten picks because I did start to like treat it really seriously. Like it was sure. a, a job interview. Oh, I think, I mean, mm-hmm. that is so it's hilarious because I think, you know, we all make our kids sit down and write thank you notes after their birthdays or whatever. And I think that as adults, and I understand, you know, life is busy and all this stuff, but we overlook those little things. At, we do. And it doesn't have to be, you know, handwritten notes are great. I understand that that's not always feasible, but reaching out and, um, and I think that this goes, speaks very much to the work that we do with clients. Um you can go overboard on this. I know some people who shower their clients with gifts in a way that it's like, <laughs> well, what, where's your, <laughs> are you making any money? <laughs> um, and I think that's, you know, I, their heart is in the right place. You just have to plan for it. But the, um, but yeah, it's also on the flip side of things. So easy to just kind of let, it's like, great, we're having a, while you're giving me money, I'm working for it. And then as soon as that stops, it's just, Oof, goodbye. No, you're you're 100% correct. And it doesn't always, you know, I think we do those things because we think that, oh, well, this will, you know, set me apart and this will make sure that, you know, that client buys the entire gallery because, you know, they got like this awesome, you know, thank you gift. And when it comes down to it, that's not why people no. make those decisions. And it's a nice touch, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not going to get, if, if you're doing that because, you know, you feel like it's going to get you something in the end, I don't think that that is no. the reason why people make I decisions. Think, yeah, I think it means a lot more if you, you know, see that their dog died on Facebook a year later and you just send them a, a note like, hey, I'm right. so sorry. Right. Um, and that's just about building relationships, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I remember somebody talking about networking one time and I, my eyes could not have rolled any farther back in my head um, when I was, you know, new in as an adult, I was a newly minted adult and somebody <laughs> said something about networking. And I was like, no way. And coming to understand that networking at its purest form and in its best form is really not about schmoozing and like trying to get what you want. It's about just meeting people and chatting with them and making those connections. 100% and just talking about like what you love. It's so funny. I think I've probably had maybe three to five times where like I've met someone at a birthday party, you know, we chatted, chatted them up. I started talking about photography and like my style and why it was so important to me. And, you know, like, you know, laid my whole heart and soul on, you know, and not like, Hey, can you come get a session? But like, this is just, you know, like how I feel. And then like, you know, sometimes a year later, oh, yeah. a year and a half later, they were like, hey, I met you at this party. And, you know, like, do you want to take my photos? Yeah. <laughs> every time it surprises me. Yeah. You know, um, I think I got a session request a couple of months ago from the Square, someone who probably found me when they launched that Square, Squarespace um, 
uh, template. And she's like, I don't remember where I saw you, but I think I started following you after something. And it was probably, I think it was the Squarespace yeah. thing. And she contacted me three years later. She's like, yeah. I want to come to DC and do a session. And I thought of you. So yeah, never underestimate, you know, the time and energy you put in, you know, to a relationship because totally. definitely circle back. Yeah. Yeah. Just showing up, keeping a smile on your face. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, um, so, oh, I know what I wanted to ask about that uh, 202 Creates. You kept saying they wanted to know what I wanted to accomplish. So what did you, what are you, what's your project? What are you working on? So the project was to, <laughs> to launch this, you know, kind of more, like I, I didn't really have a goal behind what I wanted to do with the stock photography. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I wanted to, you know, kind of launch this silo of my business that, you know, focused more on, you know, diversity in stock photography and, you know, not just, you know, diversity with race, but just like different scenarios, like, you know, uh, the things that we see in stock photography, like I never really see anyone who's angry or, you know, like my husband has like a beard, he's African-American male, like, you know, just like to take away some of the stereotypes that we Mm -hmm. see within, you know, stock photography and kind of build a, um, you know, a, a whole marketing plan and a whole, um, business plan around, you know, like how I was going to, you know, one, fund the stock photography, who were going to be my target audiences and all of that. So I'm basically working on that project through this cohort. Very, very cool. And when does that end? It ends May 21st, I believe. I think we're having like, yeah, a little quick graduation ceremony. So (laughs) on Zoom, of course. On Zoom, I know. (laughs) You and the rest of the world. Um, Well, I also wanted to ask, and this is just something that I'm always curious when I talk to other, anybody, but other photographers in particular. So if you, how, how long have you been in business now? Five years. Okay. Roughly, you know, give or take. I know (laughs) if, if even that, to be honest, because sometimes you just slap up the website and you're like, am I in business? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I know. Um, well, okay. So let's talk a little bit about when you started. I'll come back to the question in a minute, but when you started, um, tell me a little bit about, you know, you obviously have your art, the art piece of your business nailed down. No problem. What about your business practices? What about your pricing? All that sort of stuff. Where did you come up with that structure? So I will say that because I have had a, you know, full-time job and, you know, have worked in, you know, various, uh, you know, jobs. I know that you like, you need sustainability and you need to be able to make money and you need to have like, you know, like a business model behind it. So I did a lot of research. I'm a, um, you know, I'm one of those people who just kind of like dives in and I wanted to look at, you know, price points. Like I, at first I was doing like a more of a packaging, like a package, um, style price point where I had like these three tiers. And then I realized that, you know, it wasn't necessarily sustainable because, 
I had to do a lot of extra work. Like I was offering prints and a book and this, and it just got to be too much. Like I don't do this full time. -time, So then I switched to, yes, I I was able to, I switched to a a more all-inclusive model, which has helped better, you know, which has helped more for me, especially with the time. Mm -hmm. And I still offer, you know, prints and, you know, things like that, but it's just a lot easier for that not to be a part of the package. Yeah. Um, so that was how like the pricing evolved. And, you know, like, you know, I've been to several conferences, um, family narrative as one where we talked a lot about pricing. Um, and then I think I had also won a marketing class through documentary family photographers. And she went over a lot of that stuff too. So I learned a lot about, you know, like how to create packages and market them in that class. Um, and what was the what was the other question? I don't know. That, <laughs> okay. That was, yeah, that was ba- basically it. I just always am curious as to. I felt like I um, was lucky at the beginning of my career, uh, coming from a healthcare background, and both of my parents were in healthcare, so I did not have any business mm-hmm. bone in my body. Yes. Um, and when I was in the very early stages of my uh, career, I had a mentor who said, if, you know, the thing that I would tell you is you need to focus at least as much energy on your business as you do on your photography. Um, And I really took that to heart. And, um, and I started looking into it and I thought I kind of came at it with this, like, okay, fine. I'll learn about that. If that means that I get to keep doing this. Um, cause I, at the time I was still working as a nurse and I knew that I had to like meet certain salary requirements if I was going right. to try and go full-time with photography. And, um, and yeah, turns out I love it. And I think it's also an outlet for creativity and, you know, connecting with people is the first step in my ability to photograph them. So. Absolutely. And I will say, you know, to that point, I think I focused in the beginning, I definitely focused more on the creative piece, the learning piece, obviously, because there's yeah. a huge learning curve and the marketing piece, because that was what I knew. Like I, you know, kind of have a background in communications and marketing. And I know that I know what words can do to like yeah. drive, you know, someone to action. So I did focus more on that first. And then I also, you know, and, you know, since I'm one of those, you know, Googlers who like will spiral down the rabbit hole, you know, I, I realized that there was definitely an issue with pricing amongst photographers. And I didn't want to, you know, kind of create this divide where I was one, I didn't want to be the cheap photographer. Two, I don't, you know, I don't have the time and space to, you know, go away from my family for $50. <laughs> you know what I mean? I knew that. I knew that, yeah. you know, like, and I also knew that, you know, there was a huge investment as far as like equipment and that type of thing, you know, up front. So those were all, you know, factors. And I think because I, you know, you know, my husband has been home with the boys for, I think it's been five years now. He just finished up school. And so I was still, we were, you know, we're still on one income. And so like I needed to, you know, keep that in mind when structuring the business, It, it couldn't, you know, the money that I was, you know, investing into it to start couldn't tap too much into my household budget because, you know, we were raising three kids in a very expensive city. And, you know, like, I think that is probably like where, you know, like I knew that there was a light bulb about like, you know, pricing myself, you know, appropriately because I was like, if anything, this needs to be extra money 
that, you know, allows us to, you know, add into, you know, our, our full income than, you know, trying to take away from it. So yeah. that was a, definitely yeah. an important startup consideration. Yeah. In some ways I am grateful for the fact that when I started, I needed to make a certain amount of money because it forced me to face that piece of my business that I didn't particular, I wasn't excited about. Um, and I, I see now, especially as an educator, I come across a lot of people who, because they have a partner who can su- support the family or because they have a full-time job and photography starts off as a side hustle, um, they, they start out in a place where they're like, well, I'll just price myself either randomly or like way too low or whatever. And then it's so much harder to correct for that later than it is to just get it right at the beginning. Absolutely. And I think um, for me, working on the marketing piece and the messaging piece at the start (laughs) really helped because it really helped me um, understand why I was valuable and, you know, what I was doing. And I think sometimes when you just think about, you know, the photography, I'm taking pictures and it's kind of a little bit more cliche, like, oh, well, I'm, you know, capturing moments and I'm capturing memories and, you know what I mean? But, you know, kind of goes to that internal compass, but what do you want to do for people? Like, what do you want, you know, them to, you know, come away with at the end of a session with you or when they get their photos and, you know, you start to do some thinking like that, then you're like, okay, no, this isn't worth $50. This is worth a hundred dollars. Like this is worth way more than that. So, um, Definitely like, you know, really putting some time to think about like why you do what you do, why it's important, you know what I mean? Um, The passion and all of the research and all of the learning that you do, like, you know, that's, that's worth money as well, because, you know, putting your, you know, my time and, you know, energy into something is definitely worth, you know, the money (laughs) because it it could definitely be used in other places, plenty of other things. Yeah, I think I and I probably I think I mentioned this last week on the podcast. I just finished teaching for we have launched a membership for the family narrative. I don't know if you knew that. So TFN together and um, I my month was April and we were talking about communication. That was what I was teaching about is your your messaging on your website. And um I think it's hugely important. I think that the the words that you put with, you know, most of the people who are buying are, who are hiring us and who are getting, uh, coming across our work are not um, fine art critics, right? They are looking for family photos. And when they see a photo, it makes them feel a certain way, but you have to connect those dots for people and tell them like, this is why this is important. This is what you're feeling. And of course, when you do that, sometimes it's going to resonate with people and sometimes it's not, but that's part of connecting with the right people. Um, But I think, yeah, it's definitely all too easy to just put photos out there and feel like, well, they can see what they need to see here. I think, I think helping people with the language around it is um, can totally make a huge difference when it comes to your booking rates and everything else. 100%. And I think that um, one of the, I didn't, even realized that it made that much of a difference, but I think I was featured in Click Magazine and they actually talked about the website, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, what is, they were like, yes, and her easy navigatable website and she makes everything clear. And I was just like, wow, I didn't, you know, even from coming from another publication or another photographer, 
you know, to say that I thought that that was like really interesting. So not only, you know, makes it, um, you know, easy for clients, but, you know, for other people who are coming to your website, like, you know, there are people who, you know, obviously inquire. I only have pictures of, you know, families, my family on my um, website. I only have black and white photos, but I get inquiries from all over the place. You would think that I was shooting weddings or commercial events or like, can you shoot my birthday party? And I'm like, I don't even (laughs) post anything about birthday parties. (laughs) And, you know, like uh, bar mitzvah, like, you know, like just the most random things. So it doesn't even matter sometimes what the images look like. If people like the images and they feel connected to them in some way, then, you know, they'll, they'll inquire either way. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is what you get when your work is super top notch. Um, so, uh, yeah. And then this, the question that I was going to ask before kind of ties in with all of this, as far as, um, you know, going back to your roots, if you were to, you know, hit the rewind button five years and be able to go back and talk to yourself as you were starting your business, what would you, what would you, what advice would you give yourself? What, um, you know, were there mistakes you could have avoided or would you push yourself harder or? I would definitely, um, you know, tell myself to spend less time tinkering about things that didn't matter. Like, you know, how the website looked and, you know, like, oh my gosh, I spent so much time like creating my own logo and, you know, like hours and hours worth of time. I also spent a lot of time, you know, trying to learn about how other people were profitable and how they, you know, um, did the success instead of just going out and doing the work and trying things on my own. Um, I would definitely do with what you teach, which is to, you know, get your systems in place (laughs) because, That can be, (laughs) yes. Oh my goodness. It's so overwhelming for certain situations to come up. You know, you have no guidelines of how to handle it. Yeah. Um, And so you need to be, you know, uh, put as much time, you know, in that as you do your website, because, you know, that makes you efficient. Um, I feel like I have not um, also like the, um, the other thing you teach, which is how to get more repeat clients. I will say that that's probably something that, um, I have been lacking in my business is where I do get a lot of initial inquiries and, you know, kind of like one-off sessions, but how do you afterwards, how do you like cultivate that continuous relationship where people come back year after year? Oh, well, I have a workshop (laughs) for you to sign up for. (laughs) On it. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. I literally just uh, launched that yesterday, but I'm teaching people how I get people to come back every year with my membership, which is, um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that, that type of stuff is, and then I think, you know, photographers don't realize that when you have something like that in place, you don't have to work as hard, you know, you know that so-and-so is going to come back on December 4th because that's the time that is, you know, that there is their daughter's birthday and this other thing, you know, like people, we're all creatures of habit. For sure. And, you know, you want to make what the, um, you know, what uh, the guy in the book says, you want to make it easy, a habit, you know, that's one of the first things you want to do. You want to make it easy and you want to make it um, irresistible. And, you know, just that is the way that you cultivate a good habit. If you want like your customers to 
you know, follow that train, you have to, you have to be the action leader behind that. Absolutely. I think um, the, the, one of the best things, well, you know, you hear people talk about a repeat client or uh, the best marketing is marketing you don't have to do. And now I'm totally losing track of what it is, but it's basically like a repeat client is worth their weight in gold because that's, you don't have to educate them anywhere near as much. You don't have, they know, you know, they kind of know the process. So your level of work for that person is so much lower. Um, and it's usually more enjoyable because you're getting to know people and like, you know, this is the real fun part of our job is Absolutely. getting to watch families and, you know, kind of get to know them and see their story evolve over time. So I feel like if I can have the same, more or less the same 70 ish clients every year. Great. <laughs> I don't need new people. <laughs> My, and then, you know, those 70 people are the ones who are like singing your praises. Yeah. You know, yeah. bringing you work. So. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, I normally am a 15 minute podcaster and here we are <laughs> going on an hour of talking. So um, I really appreciate your time. I know you've got all three kids and a husband at home and all kinds of stuff going on right now. So um, I appreciate your taking the time out. Tell um, my listeners where they can find you so they can go admire this incredible work that you do for the stars. <laughs> yeah, and by the stars, pardon. apparently I mean Squarespace because <laughs> I just redid my website and I'm a dork. <laughs> I have to go look at your website. I'm excited. Oh, I love yeah. That. I used to, you know, my background is in a little bit of web um, content management and web strategies. So. Yeah. Um, you I'm guys can find me. Piece, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You guys can find me at lesliekershaw.com and on Instagram, Leslie Kershaw photo for my business account and Leslie Kershaw for my personal. I look forward to connecting with everyone. Awesome. Yeah. There <laughs> and thank I, you for having me on. I mean, I feel like I didn't say anything of value, but I hope that <laughs> there was something. You did. <laughs> In spite of my novice interviewing skills. <laughs> um, no, it was great. No, it was. It's so lovely to, to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time. And I hope that you um, have a wonderful afternoon. I hope you have a great afternoon too. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. That's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode, along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash podcast. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by telling a photographer friend or leaving me a review on iTunes. As always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.